You're listening to the Black Eagles podcast with Sinan Schwarting and Kan Bayazit. Welcome back, everybody. Episode 65 of the Black Eagles podcast. I am your host, Sinan Schwarting, live from New York City. And back again is our special co-host, our substitute teacher, so to speak, Evran Akman. And Evran, welcome back, sir. How are you doing? I'm all right. You know, just happy to be back. Filling in for Khan. Filling, yeah. Good, good filling. Thanks for coming back in, of course. And yeah, let's just cut to it because today was a big day and uh, it's going to be hard not to spoil anything because I think we're probably both in a pretty good mood and I don't want to say much more. Um, okay, so today Besiktas was on the road against Chaiko Rizespor. Rize was pretty hot coming into this match after a pretty solid second half of the season thus far coming in from the break. Uh, I think everyone anticipated that Besiktas could struggle a little bit here on the road, uh, especially given that Rize has challenged some of the bigger clubs in Turkey already so far this year. Um, but yeah, before I jump into the lineup, Evran, is there anything you want to say going into the match that you had anticipated? Um. I don't really have any expectations. I think we're the only like main thing was that uh, the news that Quaresma had an ankle ligament issue, so he's going to be out up to a month. That was like my main worry. But I, th- I thought for reason that we should still be okay. Yeah, I guess we have a we have a, a question from a from the audience there that we have to address later on. But um, okay, yeah. So that said, that's right for the lineup. Quaresma was out, and so the. The team featured the same formation that Chanel Ganesh is sort of bound to feature. Loris Karius was still in goal, despite the, the rumors raging even more, you know, the flames mounting around them, uh, as far as him complaining about wanting to leave and the club wanting him to leave. And uh, anyhow, he was still there in the goal. Uh, on the back line, we had Isimat Midian back into the lineup uh, alongside Domingos Vida. Uh, with Gokhan Gonul on the right side and Janer on the left. Gary Medel and Atiba Hutchinson were on the back line of the midfield, so two defensive midfielders, plus Dodokan Tokus uh, up front, so kind of three defensive midfielders in a weird way. Uh, although Dodokan obviously played in more of an offensive role. Adem Liayic played on the left side of the midfield with Jermaine Lenz on the right and Burak Yilmaz up front. So that was how they were going out. Now, do you have any comments about that, Evran? Um, I mean, it's pretty much what I would have expected. Um, it's basically the same team. I, you were, I think we were hoping to see Kagawa in there, but I don't. last week it didn't exactly, uh, well, not last week, last game that we played, it didn't exactly uh, you know, knock our socks off Kagawa and Yanis combo, so 
I think he picked the safe option to stay with Jesse Blyage on the field. Yeah, uh, I, I would have to agree that things were not perfect up front with those two. But I think I said, I recall saying that there was enough there that I wanted to see them kind of build on it. So it was a shame that that was not, you know, the opportunity for that was not provided. Uh, and of course, it's not a good look if, if we're trying to get Kagawa interested in re-signing with the club and sticking around uh, if he can't even crack the starting lineup, you know, which I would imagine was the main reason why he was willing to leave Dortmund, even though uh, I know he's very loyal to the club and a big fan of it. Um, so too bad, perhaps, on that front. But yeah, uh, let's just cut right back into it then. So, yeah, with that said, with the lineup out there, uh, let's just cut right into what happened on the pitch. Uh, the, the game started out, as you'd expect, lots of energy back and forth. Uh, Rize looked like they were going to pose a challenge, which of course they would. Uh, it, but with that said, Besiktas would strike almost immediately. And in the eighth minute, Domagos Vida would get the ball rolling by scoring from uh, an Adem Ljajic cross. And what I'm going to do is have uh, our friend Evran over here uh, sort of give the color commentary on each goal. So uh, tell us what happened on that goal, Evran. Uh, you know, nothing crazy, just an outswinging corner by Ljajic. Uh, beat a guy in between two defenders, and he was basically unmarked in the six-yard box, and it was just a, a simple header home. Yeah, uh, and of course, nice celebration shortly thereafter. You know, everyone very excited. Uh, I've noticed that Domagos Vida and Adam Lijic are very, um, you know, a little partnership there, certainly in, in terms of celebrations, which is interesting. I know they're Croatian and Serbian. I, I don't know much about the Yugoslavian Civil War, but I think they were on the other side, opposite sides of that. Anyway, um, with the, so still, like, despite the fact that Pesce scored, Rize was pressing, uh, it looked like a very open match, and <laughs> nonetheless, only six minutes later, in the 14th minute, Besiktas struck again. And this time, Atiba Hutchinson sort of brought the ball up, passed it out to Adem Lijic in a position outside of the box. And this was perhaps the goal of the season for Besiktas. I mean, that's certainly a contender for it. Give us the color, color commentary. Yeah. So Lijic got the ball on the left side of the box, cut in, found Atiba short. Tiba held the ball, laid it off for him, and then from out like the, the left side of the, the arc on the top of the box, I just one time did curve right into the top corner. It was like one of those like classic goals. Uh, that's how I describe it. Yeah, and I mean a wonder strike, really just beautiful. Again, I think you'd have to say it's a contender for goal of the year. At least that's Definitely far. Goal of the week. Certainly goal for of sure. the week, yeah. Um, in the twenty-sixth minute there was a yellow card. For Mohamed Aberhun, if I'm pronouncing that correctly, uh, I hope I am. I, you know, if not, such is life. <laughs> we'll, we'll deal. Uh, in the and so again from there on, still Rize was far from out of the match. It was very back and forth. Rize deserved more, and they would get a little bit more uh, in the 42nd minute with. Vedat Muriki 
Is it Muriki? Is that how it pronounced? It's Murich. 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 That's how the commentator says it. Murich. Yeah, I know the commentator. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know how Albanians would. So apologies to Albanians if it's not Murich, but that's how we were Kosovo. getting it. Yeah, actually. Ah, Kosovo. Murich, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Fair enough. My <laughs> bad. That's thing, like a little different. A little different. Yeah. No, I think I could probably get like a sh <laughs> shivved for that, you know, on the street. <laughs> I don't want to get on the wrong side of any conflict. Uh, yeah. But so. Murici, uh very nice little goal, I've got to say. Um, I, I looked like it could have been offsides, and I think a number of defenders seem to think it was. But give us, why not? Give us a color commentary on that one too, everyone. <laughs> yeah, so it was a combination between Muric and uh, Boldrin. He got the ball on the right side of the field a little bit in, like in that uh, half space, as they like to say. He cut it back to Boldrin, then he made a run in behind the defense. He was behind three of the defenders, but Vita didn't step up in time. So he was played through on goal and just did a casual left-footed low finish past Carius into the back of the net. Yeah, kind of a placed finish, a little curve on it. Um, would you say that Carius was to blame at all for it? Uh, I mean, obviously you'd always say you could do better, but it was mostly the defense with the, the dysfunction in the uh, offside trap. I, yeah, I would have to agree. And it looked like a number of guys were playing the offside trap rather than playing to defend guy so that didn't help uh, i don't know if there was miscommunication there with vita uh whatever it was it was certainly unfortunate and so the go the score was one to two uh given that the game was in rize and uh yeah it looked like of course the rize had er had been earning something in this match and sure enough they were right back in it uh, it looked like they could very easily turn the tide the match was very open rize was attacking fairly fluidly and looked dangerous, but of course Besiktas was as well and had a number of shots on target. Uh, Gokhan Akan, is that his name? Yeah, the goal. Gokhan Akan uh, for Rize was a solid keeper for, for much of this half, uh, despite having allowed the two goals. Certainly put, kept him in it, it seemed. And the game went into halftime with Besiktas still, which is that slender one goal lead. Um, yeah, I don't know. It looked like it looked like it could have gone either way, to be honest. But so yeah, then the second half, certainly something was different. The energy was different. Besiktas was much more attacking-minded, although also sort of weak in the back in some instances. It looked like again, Rize could easily turn the tide here and, and e equalize. In the 58th minute, Janer Erkin got himself a yellow card. Uh, does that does that suspend him? I don't think we had any suspensions no. that I remember. And so, yeah, uh, still the same uh, kind of pace was there. And then in the 64th minute, again, six minutes later, Barack Yilmaz, uh, again, in one, in one of his sort of typical goals, got the ball against the, t the run of play, sort of zoomed forward, put it away, Gave Besiktas their third goal of the match. Uh, give us the color commentary. The assist was uh, was given to Dorukan. Yeah, Dorukan played uh, Burak in on goal. So, I mean, like a, a curve run. He ran backwards to try to like, stay on side and then re, uh, redirected run towards goal. It looked like he was, I don't know, a country mile offside, I like to say. But uh, the fullback on the, on the right side of the field was well behind the defensive line. So, yeah, the three defenders, you know, they all stopped, put their hands up, and he was gone. But, you know, the, the guy on the far side screwed him all over. They didn't realize. So he was in on goal. And uh, 
coming from the right side. Instead of going across the goal, he just kind of lifted it to the near post. And then he did a, an interesting celebration where he taunted the fans. Yeah, you know, <laughs> and, and and he had been uh, he'd been antagonized by the fans for much of the match. He sort of did a little flop. You know, you might argue he was actually fouled. I, I don't really have an opinion on it. It could have gone either way. Certainly, he didn't need to provoke, especially given that you know it's it's it's. Like Shen Ogunesh is going to have something thrown at his head, <laughs> you know, in these instances, not necessarily Burak. So uh, we've been there before. Uh, yeah, but anyway, a nice goal, kind of typical Burak goal, beautiful finish. And Besiktas is leading three to one or one to three, I should say, in the 64th minute. <clears throat> Burak got a yellow card on that, on that play for that provocation. In the 69th minute, he was then taken out of the match for Guven Yalchin, which would look, you know, which would end up being a decisive move. Uh, as he was taken off the pitch, he had a bit of a skirmish with his coach. Did you see that one, everyone? Yeah, I, I saw like they didn't really like show it, show, it, but you could see as the camera was shifting, he like looked like he yelled at Shannon. There was a exchange for sure. I think yeah, I think yeah, Shannon Ganesh was probably not pleased with what he did. Uh, you know, after his goal, uh, I, I should give a shout out to Sally in our group chat. He, he said that they have this sort of father son relationship and that was an extension of that. Uh, that's a, that's a charitable take, I would say. <laughs> I mean, I think there was, if you remember back in the day, there was those pictures of Mancini and Balotelli and Mancini would say that he loved Balotelli, but you see pictures of him grabbing him by the shirt, looking like he's about to fight him in, in training. So, you know, it's definitely possible. Yeah, yeah. I mean, whatever it, whatever it is, the results are there. Uh, <laughs> scores again, and a nice little input, although he could have probably put more away uh, if he was a little sharper on the day. But whatever, they're winning, they're winning three to one for about a minute, because after the 69th minute sub out in the 70th minute, Aberhun, the same Aberhun who had been given a yellow card earlier, scores for Rizek, bringing them back within a goal and once again leaving, keeping alive the fear that all Besiktas fans surely had that they very likely equalize. Um, give us a color commentary on that one. So I think this was kind of typical of uh, Rizek today that uh, in the run of play, their center back scored. Just they were playing quite hot off the field. So um, the left back, Meljak, I believe is how you say it, put a low cross in right into the edge of the six-yard box, and in came the center back, Abarune, Abarun, Abarun. And he, uh, he flicked it past Karius into the near post. And, so it was uh, and I'm going, a goal we've definitely conceded before, like that similar type of low cross near post. I'm going Meljak. I'm going Meljak. I'm going with the soft J. For that guy's name. Uh, or Melniak, sorry, Melniak. Yeah. Um, sort of like Lijajic, Melniak. I don't know. Uh, so speaking of Lijajic, just one minute later, and, and I think for a good solid minute, the group chat was on fire, like, oh, here we go again. Uh, and then literally one minute passes, Guven Yelchin smashes the ball home on an assist from Adem Lijajic. And again, I'm handing it over to you. <laughs> All right, so uh, for the 4-2 the goal, uh, Guven was slipped through by Adam Yaich. He made a cross from the right diagonally to the left. Yaich did a, a straight through ball through the in between the center backs. 
and Gavin just, again, kind of like blew up before, instead of going to the far post, he lifted it into the near post. And uh, that was his first goal in a while, actually. Good. Yeah, and, and, a, and a very nice goal. I, I, it was a day of very nice goals, but that was his first and a, and a really nice one. Uh, in the 76th minute, Nakuma came in for Okechukwu. Uh, Nakuma was probably expected to start by many. I think he's got a pretty good rep in the Super League. In the 77th minute, Aminu Umar came into the match for Atif Chashue. Uh, I would also, I think, have expected Umar to be fitted into the lineup somehow. To be fit into the lineup somehow. I don't know. Uh, whatever. The, the result was not so much different. They all played somehow anyway. In the 78th minute, Shinji Kagawa came into the match for Jermaine Lenz. And in the 78th minute, on a free kick, Adem Ljajic scored again. Uh, making the score five to two or two to five. Uh, everyone, what do you have to say about that free kick goal? Um, nothing crazy. It was uh, it was just outside the box um, after Guven won it. Uh, I was from the left side, so as usually we're you know a typical right footed right footed player would take it. And he didn't really put much curl on it, but he got it up and over, decent placement, and uh, the goalie was just you know left stranded, didn't even dive for it. So very pretty goal. Yeah, and don't go far from the mic because just four minutes later, Adem Lijic would repay the favor to, to Guven Yalcin, giving him an assist and making the score two to six. Tell us about that one, Evran. John uh, played like a, one of those driven balls, like like a, like a hard, not a, not a long ball, but you know, like when it's like six inches off the floor and just it just flies, split through the whole defense, play the Yalcin on the right side. He cut it back to Guven. He had a lot of time, but instead of taking a touch, he just slotted the ball home from the top of the box into the left side of the goal. Yeah. Uh, in the 83rd minute, Mehmet Uslu came into the match for Melniak. Um, in the 88th minute, Ridvan Yilmaz would make his Besiktas debut, looking like he was 12, uh, <laughs> coming in for Adem Lijic. Uh, Aurelian, our resident French boy, said he was the little blondie came in <laughs> that, that was kind of funny typical aurelian uh, in the 89th minute another goal i hope you haven't left your your podium just yet everyone guven yalchin scores another assist credited to uh, another assist credited to dorokan tukus tell us about that now this is kind of like an unintentional so dorokan gave a short pass to guven well outside the box picked his head up no one closed him down, so he just, you know, clean lace shot, just a laser straight ahead into, again, the left side of the goal. It actually popped out of the goal, so the referee didn't initially give it because for some reason, and Riza, I guess they don't uh, tie their nets around the goal properly. So the ball came out, and then after all the players started screaming at him, VAR told him that it went in and the goal was given. But it was also a very nice goal, kind of spoiled by the fact that it bounced out of the goal. Yeah, th there's a bit of controversy even. I think after that goal, uh, the, the ref looked like he was ready to play on. He didn't see that the goal had been scored because it popped out of the back of the net. Uh, and a number of Vashiktas players had to sort of rush him and say, hey, hey that was a goal. So kind of almost a, a, a major malfunction. And it would have deprived Guven Yalcin of his hat trick. But, of course, it was fixed thanks to VAR. They saw it. Um, and, yeah, there had even been a previous uh, a little issue with the net, I noticed, 
they were playing with the bottom corner of it uh, earlier in the match. Did you notice that, everyone? So uh, when Muric scored his goal, the, the first one for Riza, it popped out of the goal also on the same corner. And the referee like told the groundsman to fix it, but he pointed towards the wrong spot. That you could see where the ball came out of, but they fixed another part that wasn't broken. So, yeah, <laughs> it looks like there were. It looked like there was some kind of miscommunication all around there. That like he kept pointing at something, and the guy was like, <laughs> the guy was like doing something else, and like he pointed it again, and the guy would go back to the same place. Like there was a malfunction of communication for sure. But anyway. That would be it. That, in the 89th minute, that, that, that made the score 2-7. to seven. Uh, So thank you for all that color commentary. And that would be it as far as goals. So if the nine goals didn't satisfy you, then I don't know what to tell you. Uh, there would be three minutes of extra time, and Besiktas would come out victorious uh, with a five-goal margin. So, yeah, that's how the match would end. Uh, before I get into stats, and I'll, I'll go back into stats so that that'll be a segue back into the match for us to start doing analysis again but before that uh everyone why don't you tell us a little bit about the table so after our match because we were on the, the the last match the monday match uh, the whole week was sort of sorted that the table is set for the for the match day tell us about that everyone where do we stand now and i think we stand just about where we stood last week yeah, all the top four teams won this week, so we're basically nothing changed with us. We're we're at 50 points, four points ahead of Trabzon, five points behind Gala, and 11 points behind Basakshir. So obviously we play Basakshir next week, so someone has to drop points next week. And uh, Gala also plays Fenerbahce, so you know maybe they'll also potentially drop points. Speaking about Fenerbahce, they're uh, they're still in the uh, the relegation fight technically. Yeah, we so have to talk about our relegation watch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Guess and the is at 27 points, and Fenerbahce is five points above them. Um, so there's, you would say probably Agazar might be Gams or four points behind Borsa, but Borsa, I guess, the Akrugudja, Fenerbahce are all kind of still on that fight. However, the mid table is really just crunched. So from 14th place all the way up to fifth place, there's only a five point difference. So even Yeni Malati, who's in fifth place, could technically get relegated at this point because they're only 10 points clear, technically. Wow. Well, so there it is. So still 11 back. I think it's pretty safe to say that the title's the title's out of reach. There's no way you're you're coming back 11 points with so few games left. It's not mathematically well, it could, it could impossible. Be eight next week. It could be eight next week. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, fair enough. And so, yeah, we'll, we'll talk about that at the end of the episode and preview what's to come. But, yeah, yeah. Uh, Still, you know, it's 11 points is, is, is much, a bit much, but Galatasaray is still there for the taking, and they're going to be facing Fener, so, but yeah, we'll talk about that uh, in a little bit. So yeah, to get us back on track here, let's talk about the stats. We'll do our stat flash. So yeah, in, in the nine goal masquerade uh, this week, the, the stats were pretty interesting, and they would not reflect that scoreline at all. So shots went to Rizespor 19 to 11, though on target Besiktas led 11 to 6. And so that's right, Besiktas had 11 shots and 11 shots on target, which you know explains the seven goal scored, I suppose, <coughs> at the very least. Possession, 
interestingly, would go 60% to Rizespor. So Besiktas only holding the ball 40% of the match. Not too much of a surprise given how far behind Rizespor was for so much of the match. But even still, you know, you'd expect a, a club like Besiktas with the rate that they've held the ball for much of this season with with an average of something like 55 to 60 percent possession over the course of the season um to only hold the ball 40 percent is certainly a rarity uh, so credit to Rize score there passes completed 528 by Rize to 363 for Besiktas so again they're out past accuracy was 80 percent for Rize to 75% for Besiktas. So not one of Besiktas' best days passing, but not really like outside of the range of normal, you know, 75% is pretty normal for Besiktas. Nothing too shocking there. Fouls, uh, Besiktas committed 10 to their eight. Yellow cards went two to Besiktas to only one for Rize. Rize went offside six times, and Besiktas were offside twice. Three corner kicks for Rizespor to Besiktas's two. So despite their dominance possession-wise and 19 shots in total, only three corners. So, eh, you know, a weird game. And if you look at the stats, they certainly do not reflect the scoreline. If you just saw the stats and didn't know the scoreline, you'd think that Rize would have won or... Maybe that they were behind much of the match because of possession, but with 19 shots, you'd assume they would have put a few away. So, very odd statistics. Um, <laughs> what do you think, Evran? If you had to explain to someone who didn't see the match that you know, did these stats reflect what they would see, you know, in the, in the scoreline, you know, how, how would they reflect what they didn't see? I think if you were watching the game. From the start, Riza was attacking, and then Bishop's kind of scored off. Basically, the first time they got the ball in the attacking third, seventh minute, shot from outside the box, goalie saves it, we score it off that corner. And then right after that, Riza went and continued to attack, and then out of no, by basically our next attack, six minutes later, Yayu scores from 20 yards out. So there, it was kind of like boom, boom, out of nowhere. They were they 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 thought they were playing, they're playing, they're attacking, missing chances, and they just got countered twice and conceded. So yeah, and a number of those goals outside of the box, yeah. you know, which required incredible finesse and technique. You know, kind of not once in a lifetime necessarily, <laughs> but certainly like very nice goals that will probably be on the top twenty of the season. But you know, when when push comes to shove, yeah. Um, but overall, I think it was, they have a very young team, just like defensively, they have all mostly foreigners, so, uh, you know, I'm always a little skeptical of that. Um, they, uh, they attack a lot for a lower side team, and I think when, um, when things started to go downhill, they really went downhill. That's why we, we scored four goals unanswered at the end. I mean, if you look at probably, to be honest, they deserve to be up. But at the same time, at 2-0, before they pulled it back 2-1, they really should have conceded a penalty. It could have been 3-0 at that point. So they always looked likely to score, but they always looked prone to concede at the same time. And I think this was 
was probably the first time since that, um, I'm not sure if you remember that, uh, that Ghent, was it Ghent we played right in the Europa League, a, a way where we actually countered attack instead of dominating possession. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Although we're not used to that, I think just the player quality carried us through, not necessarily the uh, overall play quality of the team. Yeah, no, the kind of individual talent certainly was on display today. And I think when you're playing on the counter as we were, sometimes that can really be the difference as we saw today. And and just like in that, that match you were mentioning against the, the Belgian side, uh, yeah, Besiktas looks kind of good in that in that mode, which is rare. You, for the most part, they're the aggressor. You know, they're the dominant force. So it's uh, it's a nice look, although you can't really maybe uh, you can't make that your your central tactic when when typically you're going to be in that dominant role, whether you want to be or not. Uh, but yeah. Let's get right into it then, Evdan, because we have that user question that we have to get to, and I think that'll take up a little time. <laughs> Quickly, let's 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 talk about analysis here. Who's your uh, give me give me your highlight and low light for the match? I mean, I think it would be unfair to say, but Lyage was the highlight. Um, I mean, three assists and two goals is it's up there. You know, I think you gotta say, you know, he's, he's gotta be like the EA Sports Team of the Week. You know. <laughs> For FIFA, pretty much a slot, and you don't see a five goal performance too often. Yeah. Um, low light, I feel like I made my, him my low light last week, but I think the only bad player on the field was Jermaine Lenz. Um, <laughs> I knew you were going to do it. I however, I do have a little bit of evidence. Uh, he, he lost the most duels on the field, he lost 10 duels, only won one. Um, well, that could be down to his. Uh, his- work effort is you know yeah i mean yeah but uh he completed zero dribbles he only <laughs> he only attempted 15 passes he had zero key passes um he was okay in certain moments of the game but uh overall it seemed like we didn't really like he was just kind of ghosting at times yeah i mean he was a bit of an engine you could say you always need someone doing the, the muscle work but yeah he he, he could could have been a lot better, obviously. Uh, he didn't have any positive stats in the match where just about everyone did. Um, so that's never a good look, especially when you're one of the three main guys attacking, in theory. Um, but, you know, yeah, that's a tough one. So if you're giving your highlight to... Um, what did you just say? Light. Yeah, if you're giving your highlight to Liage. I'm probably going to have to give mine to Dorokan because he had, I think, two assists on the day uh, and was an engine, but a productive one, perhaps, unlike uh, Jermaine Lenz. Uh, and, and in a role that should not really be his role on the, t- on the side, he shouldn't typically be in that forward midfield role. I think he'd be better in a secondary role alongside perhaps a defensive midfielder that we do not have currently. You know, something more in the Atiba um, mold, but at the same time with a little bit more ability to go forward. <laughs> uh, so, you know, kind of a player we don't have. You know, combination of Medell and Atiba. Although Medell doesn't really have the ability to go forward either. So, um, <laughs> yeah. so I don't, yeah, it's completely a different guy, but someone who can defend and hold the ball like Atiba does, but. Uh, 
Atiba, can also be more young Atiba, younger Atiba. Yeah, Atiba. but yeah, yeah, who can work on his offensive game a little more? You know, because you know you'd like for that person to. Because I don't think Dorakon could be fully relied upon. You know, he's not a uh, outright central midfielder. I don't think so. I think it'd be nice if the defensive midf midfielder that you'd pair him with could um, also enable his offensive game a little bit. But anyway. I, I, so I'm going to give him my, you know, my set that our podcast secondary uh, highlight, and for my low light, I suppose I might go with Medell. Um, he didn't have a very poor game. I think this is a hard match. When you when you win seven to two, it's hard to really dish it out. But he ghosted in a way that you know, in a role where you really don't want someone ghosting in the center of the midfield. He slid back and played. Like where he shined was when he'd slide back and play defensively. Khan eludes, you know, so I should say that Khan contributes in an after the beep, in a hashtag after the beep this week. Um, he, he, you know, scheduling didn't work out, so he apologizes for not being here. But uh, he did say a bunch about the match. And one of the things he talks about a lot is that he seemed to think that we were playing in a 3-4-3 formation with three defenders back. And I think that's because Medell so often slid back and played in a defensive role. That, that's actually where he was okay, but that's not where he was actually tasked to play in terms of the formation that was presented. Uh, and uh, when he was in the middle of the, the midfield, he was not so effective and lost the ball a lot and seemed like a headless chicken, honestly, in a way that you don't really want Medell to be because at least he's typically quite sharp you know, getting the ball back for you. And I don't know, I was underwhelmed, but not so much. I almost feel bad really giving it to him because, again, like nobody was really bad today, you know, I don't, whatever. But so, such is such is life. We've given them out. There's no taking it back. Um, so, Evron, is there anything else you want to say about this match before we move on to the question of the week? Um, shout out to uh, Givan Yelchin. For his uh, first hat trick, I believe first professional oh, hat trick. Yeah. Uh, you know, a lot of people were hating on him in the chat before the game, and uh, I've always been, you know, the, the big champion that Guben is a good player. He's not just a, a better version of Pekdemek, and um, I hope I hope they uh, hope I hope they watched the game today. And, you know, took notice. Yeah, Guben Yalchin, big shout out to him. I I'm I'm not a hater. You know, our group chat sort of had a little tirade about him pre-match. Uh, I, I I did not agree. I, I remained silent. I pleaded the fifth on that. I I see potential in him for sure, and I think he shined very much today. I almost forgot about him, but I you can't really give him the the highlight of the match because I think you know as a sub he didn't play the whole thing. He didn't, you know he played about thirty minutes. I mean a very effective thirty minutes to, to be sure. But anyway. So this week we have a special thing to do, uh, and that's why we sort of rushed through the match analysis there. I don't think there's a whole lot more to say. I don't. Th I don't have any real talking points there. We know what everything that there is to say about Shane Ganesh and his tactics has been said. Uh, I we I really wanted to see Kagawa in there. I hope he's not undermining our ability to keep uh, to retain Kagawa into next season. Although I think. The board is doing just fine as far as dissuading him by not paying players and um, creating other drama. So I don't know. Maybe it's a pipe dream to, to even want to keep him anyway. But um, yeah, 
let's quickly move on. So this week we have a special segment in where we have a, a fan, a follower of the podcast. Let's. Uh, I'm trying to try to find his name. I can't. Well, anyway, he's in Istanbul. His his name on Twitter is Je Sais Two at Nesai Trien N E S A I T R I E N. And he had a, a good question that he wanted us to debate. And, and it's well-timed because, as everyone knows, Evron is the podcast's resident Quaresma fanboy. So the question's well-aimed. So he asks, with or without Quaresma? And so I suppose the question is, should Besiktas play with or without Quaresma? In the lineup, he says if he's not on the pitch, the team goes faster into the third zone and finishes better in my honest opinion what do you think about it (laughs) (laughs) now evran again i have to i have to stress this evran is a huge quaresma fan and so i'm gonna pass the mic to you you go first i'll give my rebuttal i'm i'm the resident like cynical jerk so i have no problem uh being anti although again I want to say before I go on the record as being on the opposite side of wherever, whatever you say, uh, I, I'm a Quaresma fan in general. I think he's a kind of, I honestly think he's a club legend. And I think 10 years from now, all the haters are going to be so fondly reminiscing about, oh, remember when we could get a guy like Quaresma, especially if we go through financial crisis as it seems is imminent. Um, so, you know, we're going to go through this dark spell and guys like Quaresma are going to be like dreams, perhaps, for a little while. So there will be a time when people eat their words. But with that said, let's let's go right into this. So, so Evran, what do you think, sir, with or without? Uh, <laughs> well, right now we don't have a choice because he's hurt. Um, and I, if I imagine he wasn't hurt today, let's say. Uh, I can see where you know people are coming from but uh if you want to go back to the, the last reason game um just for example uh where he had three assists so maybe when we won four one so you know that's he also did miss a penalty but you know that's okay um, <laughs> uh i think overall you would say um when he said that uh we transitioned to the third zone i'm assuming means the offensive third yeah for uh, more american viewers um Quarsman is always kind of chilling in that offensive third, so I don't really see how he affects the buildup as much. Um, I guess he's not as active as uh, getting in between the lines as always is. Yeah, I'm not sure I think his, maybe his, lenses, his point but, is that like uh, with a more active player on the wing, you're yeah, uh, like moving had... into the zone as a unit, you know, maybe more unified, uh, and so therefore play with the ability to be more fluid. I don't know if Lenz is uh, inherently the answer there. I think on his yeah. best, on, on on his best, he certainly can be. Um, uh, anyway, I don't I don't want to interrupt you. Go ahead. <laughs> I think typically the uh, the left side midfielder for the past couple of years has been that you know more live wire player. Today was Lyich in the past. He used to always be Bobble who would play more inside mm. and get in between the lines. And Quarzo was always that outlet out wide. Um, I think even well when things are going good. You don't necessarily need that outlet out wide, but I think we, we when he's playing well, Quaresma, he's he's able to pick apart, let's say, a more defensive team. Riza's not the most uh, 
defensive team. They're actually probably one of the least defensive teams in the league. Um, even their defensive midfielders, although they're box to box, are still you know ball playing midfielders. Or you don't have a true uh, a destroyer in there, which you typically see in the lower Anadolu teams. Um, so I don't think you could argue based on today's performance that you know Lens really contributed to the the build up play. Um, that he was the reason that we were playing the way we were. I mean, maybe you could argue anything you want, but I don't <laughs> think it's reasonable to say that. Um, you know, maybe he would have screwed things up, but I think in all honesty, that right side was kind of a vacuum anyway, and we built up through the left side. So even if you stuck Orkan Chinar, I think it would have been the same result. Overall, Ooh. just Leich would have taken the game. That's a, that's a, that's um, a, that's a deep stab. <laughs> so, all right, I want to, I want to like put some asterisks on some of your comments here in that I've always perceived that you, uh, you see Jermaine Lenz as the sort of main rival of Quaresma's for that role on the, on the starting 11. Uh, certainly it would appear that way with Adam Lijic being moved out to the wing more often. Uh, certainly after a performance like today, that would maybe continue. But, um, you know, with Kagawa now as an option to play up front, in theory, uh, you know, it, it would certainly seem that the real competition is for that position on the right side, uh, and that competition would be between Quaresma and Lenz. And so I think a lot of your, uh, let's say, negativity about Jeremy Lenz comes out of a kind of defense for Quaresma. And, and, and to your defense, when you're talking about Quaresma and the other option is Jamin Lenz, it's a lot harder to say definitively, like, yeah, get, get Quaresma out of there because Jamin Lenz is so much better because that's, that's not the case. Uh, I think it would be nice if we had another option there, a younger option that we were bringing up, and someone who we could play. You know, if only Gokan Tore wasn't the kind of disaster <laughs> he's always been uh, as an individual. Um, and could have sort of fit into the, the grand scheme of things. He would have been coming into age uh, right about now and would be the go-to sort of option. But we don't have that. And that's the real problem here. I, I will agree with uh, Je Sais Tout uh, that, uh, you know, I, I, Quaresma does not aid in the buildup in a way that we could certainly use someone doing uh, and that's been an issue it's it's not just Quaresma there's been a bit of a vacuum in the center of the midfield as well where we're not getting a lot of support there Dorokan has been a a nice breath of fresh air at least in terms of energy um not always the in terms of the, the finished product the end product but um I don't know uh, it's it's hard to say take Quaresma out because we don't necessarily have a better option there. I, I don't dislike Lenz to the same extent that you do. I think he does provide something else. He he is more of an engine. He, he does come back and fight with the midfield more, perhaps. And the stats might not be pretty, but I think that's also a reflection of kind of what he does sometimes in a positive way. But, uh, you know, you can't... For, for like, like kind of Khan is a really big German Lenz fan. And, and so I, I don't want to take his spotlight here I, you know maybe he needs to be standing in and saying more because i don't have that much to say in defense of jamin then to be honest like he's not really wowing me the podcast would never end if Con, me and con argued about about yeah lens versus quaresma <laughs> but um 
So my answer is that I would love in the offseason for us to have brought in someone who's going to challenge for that spot that's younger. And I think one of those guys goes. Uh, you don't want it to be Quaresma. Um, I would actually say I would not mind Quaresma ending his career with Besiktas and being – I think it's about time he does kind of – hopefully uh gracefully take this role of being a kind of super sub as he ages as he has with his national side because um, i think he could actually be very effective in that role and when things aren't going well and you definitively need that outlet you know when when things aren't very fluid or fluent in the midfield that's when you need you you could really use a guy like that and so you don't discarding quaresma might be harder to do than discarding lens if we're bringing in somebody else but that's a big if, especially given this board and especially given the economy in Turkey and all the stuff that everyone knows about the dark side of, of this whole season. Um, so, yeah, that's my take, I guess. You know, uh, I need a better option before I say get rid of Quaresma. But, you know, if we're using this season as the sort of segue for Quaresma to move into that super sub role. I, I'm for that. And I'd love for Lens to work out, honestly, because we did pay a bunch of money for him and we're paying him a, a hefty salary. So there's no sense in him and rooting against him. But um, he he isn't. He isn't. I think we have to be realistic. Certainly not at the moment. He's had his moments, but not of late. Um, but yeah, so thank you for the question, by the way, Jose too. And for anybody else out there who has questions, I'll try to make more of a effort like I did before this episode to say, hey, we're about to record someone, you know, shoot out a question. But uh, yeah, that, that was a nice little segment. Do you have any parting words, everyone, as far as uh, defending Quaresma or rebutting anything I said? Um, I mean, I don't, I just want to say I, don't, I do not hate lens in any way i just feel like uh he has underwhelmed a lot for for vast majority of his time here and i think the uh the praise he gets is just to spike choirs well not necessarily because he has performed obviously the player he could be is very good but we have basically almost never seen that and maybe with you know a couple glimpses here and there but if you want to talk about Quaresma being inconsistent, I don't think you could argue at any point Lens has shown any sort of consistency. That's that's fair. I think you can't really argue that. I mean, I think you could argue that uh, our manager, our manager <laughs> undermined his ability to do that, as he's done to a number of players. Uh, and speaking of which, I'll, I'll make a side note. So Nicolas Isimat Midian was back in the starting lineup this week. So Enzo Durko, uh, that flash in the pan good performance has gone unrewarded he's back into the doghouse or whatever uh easy montmedian is back into the squad he had a you know okay okay game you know any comments on on easy montmedian today um i don't think there was any really he didn't do anything bad which i think is good um he didn't look as unconfident as last time he was on the field obviously it wasn't as big of a game but I, I liked him since his first game when he came here, and I just 
I hope he'll, you know, he keeps his confidence up. So when he was kicking the ball out against Fenerbahce when things started to go poorly, I think that was maybe, aside from the reported injury, I think that's part of the reason why we didn't see him for a few weeks. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and, and, and I agree. I, I'm really rooting for him. I think he adds a nice presence back there. He's a good foil to Domingos Vida. Uh, hopefully we'll be able to keep him, given the salary and everything. But he's certainly pegged himself as a as a best judge diehard. I mean Vida. So uh, if we can keep those two, that'd be a formidable pairing to go forward with for quite a while. But I, you know, it, it remains to be seen what's going to happen with this club going forward financially and how they deal with this crisis and how it all unfolds. But yeah, let's. I'm gonna let you do the preview for next week briefly, just so that you can get a few words in edgewise, everyone before we go uh so who are we playing next week and, and who what, what other games are important going into uh the weekend uh, next weekend so on a saturday it's a it's a big game in the Vodafone park bishops was the table the, the table toppers in Istanbul by shakshi here um but we'll have we'll definitely have a couple of our uh Bishops international friends there um, yeah exactly <laughs> yeah so apologies good good no good point sorry for the no stadium sounds of course in a way matched, we don't have anyone in Zizé, so that's why we had our uh, good guest, our good friend of the podcast, Evran, doing color commentary as a, as a replacement for uh, for all of the stadium times we typically have. But anyway, so yeah, Evran, sta- standings. Yeah, um, well, one thing Not is also... standings, uh, sorry, uh, Evran, uh, next... <laughs> yeah, next week. Uh, Demba Ba is making his return to Bishash for... This is his first time playing against Bishash, I think, in his whole career. And this is his first time back in Vodafone Park since he had that, like, short loan spell thing last yeah. year. Never mind. He played against us with a good defense. Yeah, I was going to say. However, um, <laughs> short-term memory. Uh, yeah, it's better than not to remember. <laughs> that would be interesting to see if he actually plays. Um, but this is, obviously, it's a huge game. We have not beaten Bishash here for... It seems like the longest time since Mario Gomez was still on the team was the last time we beat Bushak here. So that's a chance to cut the deficit to eight points. Also, there's another Istanbul Derby. The next day, Fenerbahce hosts Galatasaray. And despite the fact where Fener is in the table, I don't think you can ever say, you know, Fener sucks. They're not going to win the Derby because they always show up for yeah. those games, even if their season's not going well. For sure. Um, so there's a definite possibility that if we win, Gala could also drop points and the season might be able to turn around. That's that's those are a lot of ifs. Um, on the flip side, on the flip is, side, <laughs> if we beat Bashaksha here and Galatasaray won, they would be very much back in the title hunt in theory, right? They would close within um, three points of first place. So then it would be a one game, you know, one game between the two of them. And they do play each other, Gala and Bashak here. So. And we would be five points back on correct? Uh, we are five points right now. Oh, so. we are? Yeah, uh, as it stands. So we'd be so, eight points um, back, and we'd be... If if we lost and they won, yeah. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. We're five points back on Galatasaray. Yeah, so everything's still to play for. Um, but this is, a, this is a huge week to see if we're still in it. And uh, Trabzon, who's four points behind us, plays Borsa, who in Borsa, so that's a huge game for Borsa, there's only one point clear the, the relegation zone, so there is a possibility that Trabzon could close the gap between us to only one point next week, so 
huge week. Yikes. You know, cross your fingers. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yikes. Do your rituals. Now. Yeah, right. Get your dirty socks on or whatever the hell it is. <laughs> whatever <laughs> you're doing for good luck. Yeah, well, so on that note, I guess I'll take us out because uh, Khan's not here to do it. <laughs> He's usually the man who does it. So, yeah, thanks for tuning in, as always. Stay tuned for the rest of it. We're going to close out the season here. You know, some exciting, important games coming up. Uh, hopefully, we can close the gap and make a run of things to end the season. Uh, so, stay tuned for that, of course. Uh, follow the podcast on Twitter at Eagles underscore podcast. Follow the mothership, Special Touch International, for all the latest news 24 7. Um, we've got our team of, team of jerks. Working around the clock, as always, to get you the latest uh, at Beshiktosh underscore INT. Follow me at Sir underscore rights underscore a lot. Uh, and of course, follow Evron at fan of BJK. Um, Evron, do you want to say anything to, the, to everyone? Do you want to do you have anything to say before we go? Uh, I got nothing. Just, you know, I'm, I'm ready for Saturday. That's, that's... Next Saturday, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, five days from now. Yeah. Oh, this is... Go special touch! By the time to listen to it, it might be four days. Uh, and shout out to uh, UVA, who has just finished the championship the NCAA basketball championship. Literally, as we're recording right now, they're doing the little trophy ceremony and the ticker tape everywhere. Uh, it just beat Texas Tech. So, if you're into basketball, college basketball, there you go. Uh, that's on my TV at the moment. Uh, so yeah, that's it, man. Hey guys, um, schedules unfortunately have not been able to align, uh, but I wanted to give my two cents on the match today. Besiktas beating Rizespor 7-2 away. Uh, I have to be honest, this was a match that I was quite um, fearful for to an extent. Uh, Rizespor have been fantastic since uh, the winter break. They've been um, one of the most on-formed teams, not just statistically, but also just the way they've been playing. They've been playing some great football, and uh, they've gotten a whole bunch of points already in the second half of the season. So this was a match that I really went into expecting not to win it. And then looking back at it in hindsight, the way well, just the way we won this, how emphatically 7-2, to two, it's incredible really, um, but I do have to think that we have to stay, keep our feet on the ground here, 7-2 to two was a very uh, rough scoreline, it did not really reflect the match properly in my opinion, I thought Rizespor were very good, uh, put us under a lot of pressure, but conceded too easily, we were very efficient, um, and I wouldn't say that Rizespor defended necessarily poorly because I think a lot of our goals were, were, were very good quality. And in fact, Rizespor did not allow many chances. 
But if you look at the types of goals we scored, especially uh, Guven's third goal, Leitch's first goal, Leitch's second goal, those are all goals from outside of the box. Um, and, and, and not not in the sense where the goalkeeper can be blamed either, in my opinion. So those are, okay, maybe the defense should have put a little bit more pressure on the ball, but especially Leitch's first one, that is almost impossible because he shoots it that quickly and his shot was absolutely perfect. It was perfection. Um, and then his free kick was, was great too. Leitch had an amazing game, two goals, four assists. Uh, for Guven to come in as a substitute and score a hat-trick in 20 minutes, it's fantastic for a young kid like that. Um, although I would like to say, let's not uh, get a, get ahead of ourselves. It's not like, um, you know, he still has a lot to prove. Remember Kyle Lauren last season, he scored a hat-trick too, and we shouldn't put too much stock into that type of thing. Um, but definitely Guven is one to watch and uh, someone we can... Uh, going forward can be at least a squad depth player and and, and hopefully more but I I still have my doubts about that but we'll have to wait and see Uh, but like I was saying I don't think the scoreline really reflected the match Uh, Rizespor were the dominant side for the majority of the game but they were trailing the majority of the game too so Bistich perhaps inviting a little bit of pressure but Rizespor doing well the the most interesting part for me was the lineup a 3-4-3 which of course in defense morphed into a five uh a, a, a five uh two uh three really um with uh with Janer and Gokan playing as wingbacks uh, a little bit uh, it was a very interesting lineup and so I like the three-man back line formation I think it works well with Mirin uh, Vida and, and Medel and, and that way you can actually slot Medel into the team because I think we're all kind of in agreement that Medel in midfield doesn't really work all that well but in defense he's quite good um, especially you know if you don't have to rely on him to win too many headers and you can have Mirin and, and Vida as the main guys going into the physical duels in the air on set pieces, on, on, on crosses, stuff like that, and Medel more like the moving part in the three-man defensive back line. I, I kind of like that. Um, but again, yeah, the the, the scoreline definitely exaggerated. Rizespor, I think, I mean, at the end of the day, we, we did so well. You can't say they deserve to get a point or anything like that because we were just so great in, 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 in attack, but... Um, yeah, uh, Leitch absolutely stole the show. And I just want to say one more thing. Uh, really crucial goal from Burak Yilmaz. But I think the reaction afterwards was unnecessary. And that's the kind of stuff we don't really want to see from Burak. I understand where he's coming from. The the crowd, the, the Rizespor Horn crowd had been heckling him the entire match. And, and they've kind of been riding him hard. Um, but uh, I, I think he should be above that and, and just let his foot to the, feet to the talking. And uh, perhaps if, if um, he didn't take that unnecessary yellow card, he would have stayed on the pitch and he would have gotten uh, two or three more goals. So uh, I think he's just kind of hurting himself there because after that goal from from the, the quick 4-2, after they scored uh, right after, like seven or so minutes after Burak had made a 3-1, after that fourth goal, it was really done and dusted. And that's when uh, things started escalating. But up until that point, it was a very competitive match. Um, and and Rizespor deserved credit for the, for the match, for the display they had in terms of quality and all that. But in the end of the day, once that fourth goal went in, I think... Uh, 
there was no doubts anymore of who was going to win it. But I have to say, up until that fourth goal, I, I honestly thought we were still going to give it away. And of course, that all harkens back to that Fenerbahce match where we gave away a 3-0 lead. So, um, But after that fourth goal, I think uh, we were pretty safe. And uh, great win for us heading into next week's match against Bashakshi here. Hopefully, another win for us there. And who knows, maybe a Champions League spot next season. Peace. Besiktas International hopes you enjoyed this program.